Welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves. Through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences, we're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way that you never have before, but have always needed. It's time to rewrite the mother code. Hi, and welcome to Rewrite the Mother Code with me, Dr. Gertrude Lyons. I am really excited to have today's guest, Jennifer Loudon, on the show today. She has been instrumental in my book writing process, and she's taken me through the decision on how I wanted to publish and what all the different landscapes looked. It's very complex and really gave me just a beautiful education, but also allowed me to explore all of the possibilities. And that's one of the things I've loved about her coaching. And she helped me birth my initial like full outline, you know, of the book. So it took me through a beautiful process in that way. And you'll hear all about her credentials and kind of who she is when I'm with her in the interview. But I just wanted to say a couple words about how much she has mattered and meant to me you know, in the creative process and how, and I'm just aware of how we need different voices, different come froms, different ways that both like buoy us, give us truthful feedback and support. But at the same time, really, I feel like she and others have allowed my becoming, right? They're just like have held space for me. So super grateful for that. Excited to have you meet her. So here we go. Well, I could not be more excited, honored, blessed to have my guest today, Jennifer Loudon, on the show. Jen, thanks so much for being here. Oh, I've been looking forward to it. I love <laughs> looking at my calendar and going, I, got to, I get to talk to Gertrude today. Yay! <laughs> I know. I felt the exact same way. I was like, what a great day. <laughs> we have Jen. You know, there's other nice things too, but this was, this is But I'm the nicest. Highlight. I'm the nicest. You are. I know. <laughs> I, I have to say, you yeah. are at... Pretty much I'm going to the, the dentist list. later, so you're definitely oh. at the top of the list. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. That comparison for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I know Jen personally as one of my writing coaches. So there's plenty I can say and we will dive into, you know, in the episode. But I'd love to give you all a flavor and some of the formal intro of, of Jen. So here we go. So Jennifer Loudon is a personal growth pioneer who helped launch the concept of self-care with her first bestseller, The Woman's <laughs> Comfort Book. Oh, I just you have no idea like, <laughs> how much that book meant to me in 1992. Since then, she's written eight additional books. One of the ones that brought me to Jen, which is The Pregnant Woman's Comfort Book. Mm. Um, so I just want to name that as one of the eight on well-being and creative living, including The Woman's Retreat Book and The Life Organizer, with close to a million copies of her book sold in nine languages. I didn't even know that about you, Jen. So I was excited to see that. Mm -hmm. All right. Jennifer has spoken around the US, Canada, and Europe, and has written a national magazine column for a Martha Stewart magazine. She's been profiled or quoted in dozens of major magazines, two of Brene Brown's books, Daring Greatly and Dare to Lead, and appeared on hundreds of TV, radio shows, and podcasts, even on Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Her latest book is Why Bother? 
Discover the Desire for What's Next has more than 500 Mm -hmm. five-star reviews on Amazon. (laughs) Jennifer has been teaching workshops and retreats since 1992 and creating online learning experiences since 1999. She became a creativity and writing coach in 2001 and now works with writers and creators on crystallizing their signature idea and getting their work launched. She hosts the popular podcast, Create Out Loud. I felt mm-hmm. like I should say that loudly. <laughs> From her home in Boulder, Colorado, where she lives with her husband, Bob, and their two dogs, Stuart mm-hmm. and Willa. She's a mom of two fully launched adults and a passionate climate activist. So I love saying that all about you because it makes me even more grateful and proud to have the opportunity to work with you. Mm, um, thank you, Gertrude. It's like, you know, I think there's something about a bio, you know, that, I mean, you know, it's 35 years of work. Yeah. It, it, it sounds tidy when you say it, but it certainly isn't tidy when you live it. And that yeah. fully launched adult, she's not texting me right now, but she's been texting me all morning. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get rid of these rust stains? <laughs> like fully launched, Google. you know, has a certain meaning, which doesn't mean, you know. They're... I will say both of our kids are highly successful in the world yeah. and taking care of themselves. But I love it when they reach out about stuff. It makes me feel useful. And mm. I love the I love the connection for sure. Well, good. And maybe we'll talk more about that. Like, you know, both of us with launched mm-hmm. children and how, what that mothering. It's um, a very different mothering. mothering it's very different yeah. mothering, right? Yeah, when it is. Mothered, I look at your bio and I think, of, I know it, they can seem very neat and tidy, but I think of it from the Rewrite the Mother Co. perspective of all the things you've mothered into mm. being. And from the things that you've delivered concretely, but also how you've mothered, I feel mothered by you and how much you have mothered. Wow. The sun just came like, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) just as I was talking about you and mothering. So I'll, I'll see it as a lovely sun and I'll just let it shine on me. So I wanted to say that, and maybe that's where we can start wherever you want to like kind of speak to that. And it doesn't have to be from the framework of what you've mothered, but that's how I hold it. Yeah, I do think that just physical mothering, I did not intend to get pregnant. My daughter was a surprise. I was married to my first husband and I didn't think I could get pregnant. I had a lo- I had a long history until I finally had a full hysterectomy of my parts not working. And so she was very much I'm I'm sort of surprised and probably a miracle I never got pregnant again no matter what we mm. tried. I really spent my pregnancy and she's 29 now, but I remember this very clearly. I just spent my pregnancy being like, what have I done? You know, I don't mm-hmm. want to do this. I finally, the my first book had become a word of mouth bestseller. I'd sold my second book. I was on tour pregnant for my second book. I finally, at 31, 30, 31, had a career. I now look back and realize how lucky I was to be having the experiences I was. I didn't at the time. And when she was born, it was definitely an amazing moment. But that first year was probably the hardest year of my life Mm. until my mid-40s when divorce and dad's death and all that stuff happened that led me to write Why Bother. I wasn't a natural mother. She had colic for nine months. She didn't sleep for more than two hours. My husband was traveling a lot. He's a cinematographer. He was gone a lot. I had postpartum depression. I didn't know it. And here's the hysterical part. Gertrude, I was writing the chapter for the Pregnant Woman's Comfort Book about postpartum depression, and I didn't know I had it. Because I didn't find the research that it was anxiety. I thought, and I had suffered from depression since 
on and off since grade school. No, but, you know, adolescence, adolescence, yeah. seventh grade. And so I thought, oh, this isn't depression. This is, I couldn't sleep. When she did sleep, I had all those terrible, I'm going to chop her foot off if she's near me while I'm cutting the tomatoes mm. kind of things. Yeah. So it was really, when I think of mothering, it took me years and years to get over that. And I don't think of mothering my clients, but I do know I have that quality. I do. And I do like to sort of mother hen. I lead writing retreats and I do tell everybody at the beginning of the writing retreats, you know, I'm, just don't disappear. If, you know, I need you to come and check in if you're not feeling well, you know, or you're having if a lot's going on for you. So I do have that quality, but I don't really identify with that, I guess, is my very long-winded answer. No, it's a beautiful answer. And I love that you're speaking to that, right? Because, you know, I think that's where we get ourselves boxed in or narrow, like the mm. picture of like, what's a good mother, you know, mm. and what it's supposed to just come naturally. And so one that you're saying like, you know, that didn't feel natural to me. And it was, I struggled and it was yeah. hard, but that that is seeing that more as the norm than mm. what we're, I think, programmed to believe like, well, it should just be lovely and wonderful. Oh, no, I I absolutely hated the other mothers and the mother groups that were like, oh, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, I never told them that, but I would go home and just... Also, just for context, I gave Mm -hmm. birth. We lived in Santa Barbara then, and Santa Barbara was probably the epicenter of crunchy attachment parenting. So there was a lot of shoulds. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget walking in late completely sleep deprived to some kind of, you know, parenting mommy, mother, baby class. And the mother was saying something like that. I'm sorry, the leader was saying something like, and of course, I'm sure she didn't say this, but this is what my brain remembers. If you don't do this stuff perfectly, your child is screwed. You know, and I just remember thinking, well, my child is screwed, right? It was all the rules. Like you can't have the jumper thing and you can't do this and you can't do that. And it must be next to your skin all the time. And I was working, right? Mm -hmm. I had a book to finish. I was the main breadwinner for our family for my entire first marriage. And Mm -hmm. I think that was another thing that wasn't given a lot of air back in the 90s, right? And I was surrounded by- Yeah, now, right? And I was surrounded by a lot of women in Santa Barbara who's had money, trust funders and people Mm -hmm. whose husbands earned a lot of money. And I remember so much resentment about that. And yet at the same time, of course, I loved writing and I loved what was happening in my career. And it was so much more balanced than it would be now because there was no social media. There was no email, right? So I look back and I think, oh my God, I had it so easy. (laughs) It's so true. I, I mean... God bless these women today that are dealing with all these mm. factors and and it's having an impact. I, I believe it's not a necessarily good one, mm. but the additional challenges because, you know, we've been had already, we're all like wired and internalized, you know, so much around the shoulds of how it should be. It just kind of happens like where you were and at the time that you gave birth, right? Like these yes. were the shoulds. Yes. And now this era has their shoulds and- yes. Now you have data, you know, kind of the data driven parenting, right? We didn't have any of that. We just had lots of crunchy granola. Opinions. Opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Some of which I bought into, you know, but they, I just remember so much of that feeling of guilt and not doing it right. And I remember loving years later when Claire Didra's book, Poser, came out, which is, Mm. she's old, 
younger than I am. And her kids are about, I think, 10 years younger. We we lived on Bainbridge Island at the same time for a while near Seattle. And we know each other. But after I had read her book, I got to know her. And it's a wonderful book if anybody wants to read about that time yeah. in history and, and that sort of deep anxiety that we can have about being a mother. I love that book. Yeah. I'm going to add that to my list for yeah. sure. <laughs> You've given me a a number of great recommendations. Mm. So I will always, always take those very seriously. But there's something I just want to name, you know, that also isn't talked about just because in this current zeitgeist of mothering, I gosh, I'm not remembering her name. The, she wrote a book, this woman wrote a book on regretting motherhood. Mm. And she's been like, she's had death threats for mm, that just being willing to say like, Hey, guess what? You know, I've done a study and there's some women who regret right, being mothers Yeah, that that can sit side by side to like, but it doesn't mean I don't love my children. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, but in our minds, we think like, well, if you've regretted it, like then you don't like them or that, but no, they can right. still or you wish they didn't exist. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And that those two, and I think that's a big thing to hold, but how much those two can go hand in hand and that we're far better off, like just telling that truth, and you know, and there's so it many and having con- it be out there. Right? Yeah, and there's so many conditions around having children. I mean, I was relatively. I mean, I, I was working, and it was hard, but there was also, like I said, it, it was a slower time in the nineties. Yeah. My parents came and lived near us for a little while to help. We lived in a beautiful place. I had good friends. I mean, there was plenty of things that made it privileged and easier yes. when I look back on it. You know, I remember turning in the Pregnant Woman's Comfort Book and having a few months where I didn't have, unlike now where I run a business and every day is you know jam-packed. I remember we would go for long hikes together and she would sleep on my back. And I remember definitely moments of joy, but I just think there's so many difficult circumstances that shape our mothering and not mm-hmm. to be able to be honest about those, whether it's timing, would have been much better for yeah. me to have her a couple of years later. I think well, being I, honest about that is one of the things that your podcast and your upcoming book. Yes. <laughs> As we're rewriting the mother code around all exactly. these things. And that exactly. We can, and that, you know, we can encompass and hold these truths. I remember the, like, letting myself just really be with that. And I don't know that I would be one to say like I regret motherhood, but I just to let myself have the full feelings. I was coaching a couple who had decided not to have children. Mm. And they were so excited about their life and like how they were living it. And just I was like, oh, just let myself kind of sit in that, like, wow, what would my life have been like if I hadn't had children? And the, mm-hmm. the amount of energy that goes into them is mm-hmm. significant, right? Yes. It's <laughs> really significant. And it's significant. You, you can still run a business, you can still get, but wow, what if it had all been toward that? And mm-hmm. not in a regretful, necessarily remorseful way, but just let me myself feel sadness for that life that didn't get lived. Right? Yeah. Like and and that curiosity. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're in the, well in the empty nest period. We moved away from the Pacific Northwest, as you said earlier, I live in Colorado now. And, you know, we don't see the kids that much. Sometimes during the pandemic or Lillian was super busy. She's in grad school and working. And last year, I think another seven or eight months went by and we we couldn't make it work between our schedules. And it makes me very, very sad. I wish she lived next door to me. I love her. She's my best friend. 
but it's also easier some days. You know, we're a blended family. There's a lot of dynamics when the four of us are together. (laughs) Yes. I recently went to Seattle and we had a just a trip, the two of us. I mean, I was on her turf, staying in my own place. And that was the best trip we've had, the best time mm. we've had together in years because there was no family dynamics. There was mm. no, just she got to be you. her, you know, yeah. being a full adult, living in her urban life and mommy uh, being there being like, wow, this is cool. Wow. <laughs> Take a, me yeah. to your favorite restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, I really get that. And that's something I know we mentioned earlier, but mm. let's go into that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like this rewriting the mother code with adult children, yeah. but daughters, you know, yeah. I have two daughters. You, Your birth daughter is, child is a daughter. And, and um, my stepson is a son. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, just as you said that about going on their turf, my daughter, our oldest daughter got married yeah. this past February, right? We were grandparenting the dog for mm-hmm. while they were on their honeymoon. So I brought the dog and some a bunch of the stuff that they left in Mexico to their place in Charlotte. So they bought a home during the pandemic and have been setting it up. And I had been there like one other time, but there was something about being in your adult daughter's home when they weren't there. Oh, interesting. And just kind of looking around. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember like just tears coming to my eyes. Like she's in, like, this is her home. Yeah. I felt like a bit of an interloper, you know, I mean, not like I was snooping around or yeah, opening yeah, cupboards, yeah. but right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, this isn't my house. This is, yeah. you this know. This is my kid. I think that's probably the most astonishing thing about having adult kids is being able to, to marvel at who they mm-hmm. become and to know that you're an advisor. And to me, I'm like, my stance is I've got your back, Mm. but I'm not here to meddle. And I always know when I cross that line. This is so stupid, but I did it with her the other day. My kid moved into her first alone apartment. She's always had roommates. I said something about, well, you are washing your sheets every week, aren't you? (laughs) And that was it. That was the line. And she just shut me down. And then you know, we got whatever, we finished our exchange. I think we were on the phone. And then like, I don't hear from her for a day or two, right? And usually we text a number of times during the day, quick conversation, kind of yeah. five, 10 minute conversation. My husband has a hour and a half conversation with Aiden. And they're very, we're just very different processors. I'm like, oh yeah, I went over the line. The line is you are an adult. You are in charge of your life. If you want to wash your sheets once a month, disgusting, then go right ahead. (laughs) Right? And so I think that's the thing that I've most had to learn, especially when she comes home here, is to not pick up her stuff, not tidy. I'm a super tidier. It's how I manage my anxiety. She's not. She's a sprawl everywhere. It's like, let her sprawl. Don't go fix the sofa. Don't pick up the glasses. Just like relax and let her be her. And it sounds so simple, but it's really taken me a while to grow. No, it's not simple. It's like, you know, when they're under your care and that and you, Mm -hmm. you know, it's your very right. And this is how I'm parenting you. This is how we live as a family kind of thing is very different, you know? And then we've been navigating that, my husband and I, with one of our daughters who, when she comes home, she takes over two rooms. Right. She's messy, you know, right. from my standards uh-huh. um, and whatnot. And it's like, I kind of go back and forth. Like, I love hearing you say, like, when she's here, like, it's still our home. And if you're going to be in our mm-hmm. home, you know, there's standards. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong way, but we're kind of, I mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of wrestling with that, right? I don't want her 
shamed for it, right? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. but I, if I choose to, I guess I, you know, we could say like, well, you know, now that you're an adult and you're here and you're coming into our house, it's really not your house anymore. It's ours. There's certain standards we want kind of. Yeah, I've gone. I don't know. I've I've been there and and then I've kind of gone back to the best parenting advice I got in preschool. And that was, if it's not life-threatening or morally threatening, leave it alone. (laughs) And I'm like, is it morally threatening that she has a wet towel on my chair? Okay. That's pissing me off. Okay. I'm going to go hang that up. But because it kind of ruined my chair, but is it, it's all draped all over the bathroom. That's her bathroom. No one else is going in there. It's not my bathroom, you know, and I'll clean up when she, and she always strips everything and cleans everything up when she leaves to some degree. I think it's just that it's that letting go Because when I notice I have some friends, they have a very close-knit family. They have three girls, two live close by, one lives in another state. And they're all together a lot. They do a lot of family trips together and stuff. And Mm -hmm. and I often feel like they're kind of enmeshed. I feel like they're a little too still dependent on mom. And I appreciate that my kid has worked really hard to be independent. And now I think at 29, she really feels like, yeah, I'm independent. I have managed my life now for... I mean, really, since she did her own life in college, as far as I'm mm. concerned. And now I think she can rely on me more. Still feel like she knows yeah, herself. That, like just like her, her like the boundary yep. around sheets, right? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, mom. <laughs> Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women. And coming to really take time for yourself. Okay, and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish. It's essential. And I really want you to take it seriously to consider, you know, just think about what would it take for me to go. It's a five and a half day retreat, getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if the idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up, but now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings and 
If you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. So I also think it's really important in that rewriting the mother in code when you're is to let your kids probably a lot earlier than we did mm-hmm. fail and go on their own. We have some friends that have younger, much younger kids. They're much younger than we are. They're still, they're just in high school. And they're like, one of them got left somewhere because they didn't like on some like concert. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, you know how to take the public bus. They didn't go. It was two o'clock in the morning. They didn't go rescue them. Like they're like, you need to learn to be independent at a very early age. They are hard asses. And I'm like, we could have had a little more of that. Yeah. But I do think that it's great that now that we're like, yeah, like we're there, we're your backstop, but we're not running in to solve your problems. I think that's super, super important. Yeah. And now we're really lucky. We're super lucky. Our kids have been, they just don't, they don't have addiction issues. They don't have abusive relationship issues. They've earned their own livings. I mean, we're like, like they're fully high functioning people. So yeah. God, thank you. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank right? you. Right. No, I agree. And I think there's, you know, as you know, with the wedding this year and just navigating some of these roles, you know, that are dictated like a mother of the bride role mm, is, mm-hmm. has a lot of shoulds around it or beliefs about like, and then I had my own experience as mm-hmm. a bride with a, a mother where I was in a very different place with my mm-hmm. relationship with my mom and what I needed to do with her, mm-hmm. you know, to set boundaries and set limits and, right. you know, not have my wedding be her wedding. Right, right, so right. So when I came down to it, I was like overly worried, you know, about stepping on her toes or like, let me know when you need me. She's like, stop. Like, of course I want you as Mm. involved and I'll tell Mm -hmm. you when I don't, you know, like, I have to remember she has created more sense of herself than I have. have. And together you have too. And also like when we got married, I got married the first time was 1989. Second time I was 50. So whatever that was 10 years ago. I mean, it was just a very, we're, we're different people and my mom wanted certain things and I fought her and she went behind my back. <laughs> and I, I didn't know until I saw my bridesmaids walking down the aisle in matching dresses, which I have so expressively forbidden. Oh my um, gosh. Wow. A dress that looked good on one of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, now I can laugh about it. Mom's long gone. And, you know, I'm like, God, I'm glad you got that, mom. I'm glad you got the matching dresses. <laughs> versus, you know, our second wedding, it was a summer camp wedding, you know, mm-hmm. we just all hung out for the weekend together and, you know, in a ceremony somewhere along the way. Right? Yeah, no, we did yeah. have a, a real, a full on ceremony, but sure. um, the the rest of it was, uh, you know, f- square dancing and pie yeah. and fun. And I think what we're, we know, you know, we're similar ages and have a lot we can look back on and learn from, but when these new things come up, like a mother of the bride, you know, it mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. it has really allowed me to see this whole rewriting mother codes like how I think is gonna happen till I die, right? Like mm-hmm. 
is. Because if they have children, then you'll be rewriting the grandmother cover. The grandmother, right? right? And oh, just, that'll be your next book. I know, right? Like, yeah. Really. Love like that the grandmother idea. code. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have you help hold that for me. So okay. thank you. Uh, <laughs> write, write the first one first. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that first one done. We will. We'll, we will. You know, the whole point is these things come up and we can either kind of ride the river of like what everybody else is doing and whether we like it or not, it's just like, you know, how we think it's supposed to be or, you know, we can take it on and learn and grow and find some hidden treasures in it, which mm-hmm. is, you know, the whole point of rewrite the mother code is like, what is in this for me sort of thing, right? I, like, I love that because there are so many hidden treasures in letting my kid be who she is and let me marvel at that and appreciate that, meet her where it, she is. That's what deepens our relationship. If yeah. she, if I tried to keep her as someone that I'm in charge of or responsible for, I mean, how stunted and boring would that be, you know? And mm-hmm. I love that she introduces me to things. I love that she challenges me. I love that both of the kids, I mean, sometimes I don't like the way they do it, but that's a different story, right? <laughs> they can both be a little tough about that. But yeah, I mean, for her to let them become fully who they are and be like, oh, now we're in a completely different relationship. Mm-hmm. And obviously preparing for at some point down the line, the same exchange that happened with my mom and I is that they will be the adults and I will hopefully not a lot, but very possibly lose some of that. Mm-hmm. Hopefully not to like the last five minutes of my life, but exactly. <laughs> that certainly wasn't true for my mom. She had Alzheimer's. So for the last mm-hmm. 10 years of her life, we were more and more the ones in charge. And yeah, so that evolution, I think is such a deep thing to be, to give attention to. And to respond to and not just out of that automatic, but I'm the mother, you know? I mean, how boring is that, right? No. You know? And I'm your mother. So what? (laughs) I used to say, you came out of my vagina. (laughs) Like, that's the alternate. And I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to let that go. (laughs) Yeah. How long am I going to hold that power, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. over them? Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of a cool thing to think about, like, but it's not my power tool anymore, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, in the case of our daughters, have their own vaginas to worry about and <laughs> deal with. But I'm also thinking mm-hmm. them being who they are and letting them be who they are allows me that might mm-hmm. not always resonate with like what I thought they they should be or what or myself. And that's where I can learn and grow, right? Like that's yeah. where I can let them be on their journey and make their mistakes and that. But it doesn't mean I'm not going to have feelings about it. And mm-hmm. I can explore those feelings on my mm-hmm. own. Right, right, right. Um, right. Not try and have them do a certain thing so I feel better. Because I think that's ultimately a lot of times what it comes down to is like, yeah. we want them to fit a mold so yeah. to relieve so, my anxiety. Right. right. Yeah. We had we had good conversations, Lily and I, about that when I was in Seattle for that trip. And she said, you know, I feel like you want me to have this more traditional life. Mm. And I was able to really pause there and say, you know, I don't think that's true. But what I do see in you is you're someone who went, who loves very deeply. She's single after a kind of a bad breakup. And I want that for you. I want that. And I also see that in our culture, it's easier to be partnered. And I want that for you. But I don't have like any picture of you with a white picket fence and seven kids, like not at all. But so it was good to be able to like yeah. dig in there. You know, I don't know if she totally believed me, but they, they also put their projections on us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they do. <laughs> they absolutely do. Well, something that I think still is connected to this because I opened up saying, you know, you've 
you've mm. mothered your daughter, but you've also support writers, support mm-hmm. women in their creative process. Mm. And, you know, knowing me and knowing Rewrite the Mother Code, how do you think the creative process help? Creative process and being in it helps them rewrite their mother codes. To create something is to believe in that process, that idea, and yourself. And that is probably one of the most liberating, courage inducing, and on the high wire without a net practice. So when you do it, when you do it over time, when you do it repeatedly in different mediums, different ways, and you truly care about it, right? It's not just for the outcome. You may have very particular outcomes you want, but you're so invested in your own desire. I think that it rewrites old stories about whatever you need to rewrite because you're making something out of nothing. It's the ultimate act of magic, right? (laughs) It's like nothing existed before. And I made this painting or I wrote this paragraph or I wrote this essay or I made this birdhouse. So I think that changes any kind of restrictions about how we see ourselves. Hmm. That's beautiful. (laughs) Well, and just as you said, kind of repeated what I said, the creative process, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's two people coming together and bringing what needs to come together to like make a baby, you know, Mm -hmm. is a creative process of which side note, I will say the woman is in charge of, I just love that. The fact that like women allow in the sperm into the egg that like they choose, right? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I, I, that was a revelation to me when I found that out. It is very cool. A total side note here, yeah. but but it is that creative process, right? Of which we have a lot of choice in. There was nothing there before until mm-hmm. you put pen to paper, you put a mm-hmm. paintbrush mm-hmm. to, or you know, your hands on a computer, like things mm-hmm. coming together. And I'm not making up a language or words, but I'm putting words together in a way that they haven't exactly been put together before. And right? yeah, and like nothing I'm going to be introducing is a new, is... I'm not coming up with all these ideas. I'm just, you know, I'm putting the pieces but together. But that is, creati- that is yeah. creativity. One, creativity is combinatorial. It is combining things in a new way. And one of the most pernicious beliefs we have about creativity in our culture is that it's total originality. And that oh. is completely false. If you look at the two people who just won the Nobel Prize for Medicine, who invented the MRA mRNA vaccine that saved millions of lives from COVID, they worked on it for 30 years, combining different things. And nobody believed in them. They couldn't get a professorship. They couldn't get funding. But they built on the science that was there to create this. And the same thing is true when we're writing a book or we're like, we didn't make up these colors of paint that we're using, we're combining Mm. them in a new way. We didn't invent cubism. We've studied cubism and now we're making it our own. And Mm. I think that's one of the most important things I have to drill into my writers over and over again. I have these highly accomplished people come to me, highly accomplished people. And they're like, well, am I allowed to do this? I mean, over and over and over again, am I allowed to do whatever it is? Am I allowed to combine these ideas? Am I allowed to quote this person? Am I allowed to write about this? I'm like, yes, you are. 
Yes, that's true. Yes, you are. And then the other thing I have to say over and over again, and I just said it to a bunch of people on Monday, hmm. is you have to keep believing. Hmm. No one is going to believe in this. I mean, I'm there believing in it with you. That's probably my biggest function as a writing coach. But you have to keep believing. And it's not going to feel good or real or good enough, sometimes for years. And the creative act of rewriting your code about what you believe is to keep believing that even though it's messy, and even though you need to go back and change all these things, and even though you know that idea is not clear yet, you're still believing you're going to do it. I will not allow the thought in my head that I cannot finish my novel. I'm just like, mm. you You are not allowed out. Sometimes I get quite violent with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know if that's an answer to your question. Oh my God, it's a beautiful answer to the question and so many like just actual pearls of wisdom in there, Jen. And I'm, it's so fun because I mean, I, I've spent months with you and, and even like right now we're in a different format, a different mm -hmm. forum and like creative things are happening of our dialogue. And I think that's amazing. And mm -hmm. I think it's really, really beautiful. So I have one more kind of question, question. And, sure, then sure. We'll, and so, you know, you've worked with literal like women with children, mothers, mm -hmm. you know, who mm -hmm. have children who are also writing books at the same time. What have you noticed or seen mm. about how the mother code can help or hurt their creative processes? I think the thing that I probably see most common is that feeling that the mothering has to come first. And sometimes, of course it does. Your kid is sick, daycare is closed, whatever it is. I think because creativity and especially writing is not something that our brain naturally wants to do. And it's often something that because of schooling, we have a lot of fear and trepidation and judgment around because of the way we learn to write. So parenting or the mother code can almost become a, an escape from doing the hard work of that believing that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And I mean, I do it myself with my clients. I'm like, oh, I'm having, I'm stuck on this idea. Let me just go over and do some work on this client's work or answer this client's email, right? It feels very satisfying. So mm -hmm. I totally get it, but I, it does at times become, it's not a good practice, I think. Then the other thing though, that I see, and I just was reading this in a client's work is that it can become an incredible motivation. Because you want your children to see that you are your own being. I mean, they're not going to get it for a really long time. I mean, right. they're really not going to get it until their late 20s. But you're mm -hmm. still creating <laughs> this reality that mom has a life, mom has yeah. desires, mom, ha and whether they're part of your career or not, whether they earn money or not, doesn't matter. So I think that can also, I see, become a great motivation to to stick with something, to do the hard work because you're like, and then the third thing I see kind of related to that is, and this was very true for me, I, I was absolutely terrified of not having my own life, terrified. And that's because my mother didn't have her own life. And so I doubled down on work and work as an identity and really kind of rejected mothering and and I have some regret and sadness around that. Mm -hmm. Like I could have been softer about it and had a little bit more fun with it. So I also see sometimes that being a positive or a negative thing where it's like, yeah. I have to have my identity as a creative or as a, a person who has a career, something outside of mothering. And 
yeah, where that can, again, be, be helpful and motivating, but also sometimes just put a lot of pressure on people or, or make us armor up more than maybe we need yeah. to. Uh, yes, 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 and yes to <laughs> all of that. And I would imagine, you know, as my audience is listening to this, they're like, Jen's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I hope awesome you're one. thinking that. I didn't know you're thinking that I'm blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, I would say knowing my audience that that's what they're thinking. But so I would love to have them know how to, all the different ways they could be in touch with you and yeah. get more Jen and uh, <laughs> discover you, you can- even more. Yeah, so there's two main ways. One is just go to jenniferloudon.com and you sign up for my email list. And that is really about writing that. And then I've also started just very recently writing on Substack. And for those of you who don't know, it's its own literary writing world. It doesn't, not just for writers, but for anybody who's using words. And I'm writing a Substack about it's not too late and all Mm -hmm. of its forms. And so you can also go over to Substack. And if you go to Jennifer Loudon and sign up, eventually we invite you to Substack. We just haven't quite drilled that in. So it depends when you listen to this episode. But you can also just search It's Not Too Late, Jennifer Loudon, or find me. That's again. wonderful. I don't think I knew about the Substack. You, if uh, you're on I my do, email, if you're on my email, I do list love your already, email. Yeah, yeah, it just goes I, to that. It just, we just moved okay. you all over there. So you don't have to do anything. Okay, but good. for the people good, who good. are new and joining me, it will be a choice that you have to make. Otherwise, my main sort of list is just going to be about writing resources. So if you're into writing resources, that will be just there. And then if you're into what is these kind of experiments about it's not too late and thoughts about it's not too late. What does that Mm. mean? Why is that important for us as as humans right now as our world gets more and more dim and deadly and dangerous and disheartening? There's a lot of Ds there. (laughs) A little of alliteration for you. So yeah, so Substack. And eventually I'll know what that URL is, but I don't know yet. <laughs> no. Well, it'll be in the show notes. I mean, you can share yeah, it with me. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that we'll right have it. Off. We'll have That's it for perfect. sure in the show notes. Oh, thank um, you. Yes. That, love those show notes for that, right? And Versus spelling out long URLs mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. <laughs> for people. We get, we get to know that they're there and find them there. Okay. So last question that I asked all my guests, and I, I think actually you supported me in making sure I was always getting material from people on rewrite the mother code. And Mm -hmm. so this has become a staple, which is to ask, what does rewrite the mother code mean to you? To me, it means creating the awareness as a individual, but absolutely in community and as in whatever culture you cultures you participate in Mm -hmm. that are ideal and picture And stories about being a mother are far too limited, and they need to change and open and be able to support a huge variety of experiences. And if you think that's happening in the culture at large, I'm sorry to say you're wrong. It's Mm -hmm. not. Mm Mm-hmm. I just saw some celebrity, I do not follow celebrity culture, get shamed in some divorce because there was a picture of her out partying. That kind of thing is still so prevalent. So to me, it's an act of, rewriting the mother code is an act of freedom for all mothers. Oh, wow. So beautiful. I, I'm always like, wow, people like 
say it better than I do sometimes. Yeah, you know? of course but they like, do. Because they're that's... outside the work and that's why exactly. you get them to say it and then you bring it into your work. I always <laughs> think that. Someone edits my work and I'm like, wow. 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 That's so much I be better. Able to say it that way? <laughs> exactly. Like, right? <laughs> but we started and then we get some things and then we mold yeah. it. And that's another part of being a writer and being a creative and being yeah. a mother that's so important. It's the same thing. Our kids come and they are who they are and we work with them and we, we do everything we can to support them in the same with our ideas. Yeah. Well, here, here. I think that's a beautiful note to end, although I always have a hard time ending and I would love to keep going. But I'm hopefully, you know, I'll just plant the seed now. We'll have you back. And if you're willing at times, because I find like these conversations just get something started, right? Mm -hmm. And even though there is wonderful and rich, it's like, okay, we can take this farther and we will. Mm -hmm. But thank you for being on. Thank you, um, Jen. And it's just an honor, as I said, and privilege. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I loved being with Jennifer. It's been a few months since we've chatted or spoken. And as I said, different things come out when you're in a different venue with someone, right? And as my coach, there's a way, you know, we've worked together, but this, I get to know more about her and I get to know just even some of the beautiful ways that she has supported others and her being herself and her way of being. And I'm grateful for that. And it's one of the things I love about hosting a podcast is being able to explore and meet people and be with them. And I hope that's, you know, something that's been beneficial for you as listeners. And as well, just more and more do I realize the power of coaching and the power of having, you know, a really strong support network. So out of this, I, I hope it encourages you in your creative endeavors. You know, I love that part about the creative process, making something out of nothing. And, you know, we all have that capacity, just like we all, like we mother things into being. And I think she's added another beautiful layer to what rewriting the mother code means and loved how she ended with rewriting the mother code gives us our freedom, right? It really gives us our freedom to be who we are, who we're meant to be, who we know we are at our core. And shed and peel away anything that's been written on top of that. So I invite you to explore that for yourself today. Please turn to me in any way that feels right to you as someone in your corner and supporting you in your creative mothering process. Have a great day. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Rewrite the Mother Code. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included, to find it. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com and sign up for my newsletter. I'll see you next time.